Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome once again to another edition of The Sad Report. I am your host, uh, Mr. Michael Aaron Costitz. Uh, Mr. C is how some people have come to know. Actually, all my bestest of friends refer to me as Mr. C, but... uh, just thought I'd welcome you guys in again to another lovely episode of The Sea Report, bringing you news, views, headlines, current events, all that good stuff relayed through, uh, relayed through the tunnels of my mind and perception unto you all in uh, the only way that I can, and that is just by talking. Hope you guys are doing wonderful on this Wednesday evening. This is, uh, we're already here at Sandwich Day. March 23rd, 2022. Where the heck did the month of March go, ladies and gentlemen? It's practically over with and done with. We're already, what, a quarter of the way through the year. We got all this stuff going on, you know, uh, happening just, just about every day. It feels like something is going on now. That's a good thing. Uh, maybe that's what is up with the speed, the uh, stealth of time. Time is ever a stealthy creature, ladies and gentlemen. It just will flash you in the pan before you have a chance to get the pan on the fire. And uh, well, there you go, guys. So I hope everyone's doing great. We have a, uh, we have a. We have a well. Uh, to me, it's an uh, it's a different type of show, but maybe not. Maybe it'll be. Maybe you guys wouldn't have noticed it, right? But uh, well, as you all may have known, if you've been hanging out with us on the daily, you know we had uh, we had a little reconstruction going on in the throne room that led to a leak in the food room was it in the in the mess hall right so we had a leak in the mess hall so they had to come back today to do some prep work or not prep work they had to come back to fix it okay so that's what they were doing today uh you know which essentially just locks me out of uh preparation time you know like to really just sit back relax and put my show together so i don't know maybe you guys wouldn't even have noticed it but like uh well basically we're a little on the fly tonight. We're a little off the cuff, but when aren't we, right? It's always a fun time at the Sea Report. We'll still try and bring you uh, some. Uh, we'll still try and bring you some uh, interesting information, right? We'll still try and bring you guys some uh, stuff that uh, I think will be worth your uh, attempt and presence, ladies and gentlemen. So, and that's well, we're actually a little bit live today. I wanted to go on earlier, actually, but I couldn't. Because the darn maintenance men were here, the construction workers just um, banging in and hacking and stuff. There was they had to cut a hole in one of our ceilings, right? And they didn't even finish my throne room, which means I have to get up early again. Okay, which is not fun. Okay, they weren't even here on time. But anyways, you guys are not here to hear me talk about at a distance all of my uh, daily goings on. You guys are here to be out the news, right? Well, uh, you know, I was just kind of catching up on a bunch of stuff uh, throughout the day. Um, because, you know, uh, the, the difference between, like, researching and reading articles and watching something is a huge difference. Now, some would, uh, some would say 
that to uh, watch something is much easier than reading something, which I would say that's true. The only thing for me is that, you know, well, if I'm going to be watching something, it means that my time is going to be dedicated to the pace of whatever it is that I'm watching, you know? So uh, I'd rather like read because <laughs> because I have more time to read than I do to watch because I'm one of those people that once I start watching something or listening to something, I have to finish it. You know, and then you can't skip around, especially if you're not familiar with the material. It's not like if you're reading an article, you're like, well, I don't need to read this part. I'm just going to go on to the next part. So anyways, I was watching some stuff today. Actually, you know, I think I had my uh, I had my head in the clouds over there in Russia, you know, uh, and, and just trying to keep up with what's going on over there. Because, again, you know, this whole situation in Russia has gone on for so long already. To me, this is already way longer than it needed to and or should have gotten on. Of course, I am not a military strategist, so it's not like I could determine that. But, you know, my thinking kind of is, you know, the longer that Russia is in Ukraine, the more windows will open, more windows of opportunity will open for, you know, globalists to exploit their presence, you know, just like we're hearing uh, Pedo Joe, you know, talking about uh, uh, chemical weapons and nuclear weapons. Well, you know, the longer that Putin is in Ukraine, because, you know, once you Putin, you don't pull out, right? At least not till all the Nazis are dead. But the longer Putin is Ukraine in Ukraine, the more time it gives the enemies, the unseen enemies, the somewhat known enemies, the globalists, it gives them time to strategize something, right? And uh, well, we all know that is a fact, because I think all of us have marinated in the idea by now that um, what's going on between NATO and Russia, I mean, Russia and Ukraine, has absolutely nothing to do with what the Western-backed media is telling us. I'm pretty sure we're all finally, I think we've reached a consensus in that regard, ladies and gentlemen. I'm pretty sure we've reached a consensus. And that is Ukraine bad, Putin good. Okay. Now, you know, interesting enough, there's still plenty of people that don't see it that way. And, you know, it is what it is. Uh, if someone, a patriot or not, were to come up to me and just, you know, uh, you know, Ukraine is 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 a, a sovereign country. I mean, it is, right? Right? We're not going to mince our words or thoughts or even our feelings there. But Putin bad. Well, maybe you don't know what you're talking about, right? <laughs> I had someone who recently told me, that they were hanging out at a friend's house and their children was all, Putin's bad, Putin's evil, Putin is, is the devil. And, uh, well, incidentally enough, that individual already had a sense of what was going on in the world. Uh, where they got their perspective from, I don't know, but, it, you know, it's true. Uh, I was looking at a bunch of stuff on Russia today. Boy, you know, it seems like I found so many videos about the Nazi battalions in Ukraine. And it seems like they were a thing before 2022, right? They were a thing. Like, we're talking like lefty progressive media outlets 
were all making films about the Nazi, the far-right Nazis uh, who protect Ukraine, or uh, the secret military of Ukraine, da-da-da-da, and it was all about the Nazis, okay? We're talking about as late as 2018, 2019, you still had uh, media outlets like Vice who were releasing documentaries on, uh, they would send their reporters over to the Donetsk or the Luhansk region, and they would just be talking with the Nazis, you know, just interviewing the Nazis, like going around with them on their daily, uh, daily uh, activities, you know, uh, ducking from, uh, you know, fire and, and uh, avoiding fights as well as they could. I mean, th- it's all documented by their own agencies. And so it's really interesting to me to think how, um, I don't know, well, the way these people think, right? I mean, what is it all about? I mean, I guess I will never have that understanding because I just, I'm not that kind of person, right? Like there's this new video about uh, Pelosi saying that she eats at 5.30 like a peasant. I could never relate to a statement like that because, you know, um, I'm not like a hundred years old, like, you know, Nancy Pelosi. Maybe that's what she meant. She's like, I have dinner at 5.30 like the rest of us Jerry's, right? Jerry's meaning geriatric, right? Okay, well, maybe not. Maybe, you know, um, I'm sure she's used to having a New York dinner, right? Dinner time, right? 9 p.m. at night? No. Who the hell has dinner at 9 p.m. at night? I would like to know. Don't just tell me the people in New York, you know, but uh, anyways. So I, I would never be able to grasp that thought or concept, you know? Uh, because I don't, uh, I don't judge that way. I, I eat at a certain time, like peasants eat at a certain time. Anyways, so yeah, you know, uh, just a lot of thought process, a lot of thought process, but like, uh, the whole thing that you see there in, uh, this, the, these articles and, and again, the thought process if you're a peasant, you eat at 5.30. If you are a peasant, you don't know what's really going on in the world. And indeed, it would seem that that would be the case, ladies and gentlemen, for a lot of us peasants crying from the peanut gallery, just waiting and wanting and desiring any type of uh, sustenance, whether that is for information or, or, or you know, uh, gr- gruel. <laughs> That is what it is. But, you know, the way that they lie, you know, it's just, it's that, maybe that's my hang up right now. Aside from the fact that, yeah, I've had some really bad lower back pain issues the last few days, but um, uh, they, they just think they can continue to lie. And so just going over everything today, I mean, I was looking at these documentaries about, you know, the uh, Nazi battalions in there. I was also trying to catch up with any speeches that President Putin has put out. Because, you know, I'm not going to be an alarmist, right? I'm not going to be like, yeah, go Putin. I love Putin, pro-Putin, you know, and uh, just, just to get a rise out of someone. I don't think that it's worth it. Although I have yet to wear my t-shirt, you know, once I put in, I don't pull out. Uh, it's a great shirt. That's a historical shirt, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but Putin, you know, I mean, they just, 
the, the lies, the lies, the lies, you know, and everything else with that. Are you speaking of which, actually, if you were with us yesterday, you might recall that I was going on about President Zelensky, right? I was telling you guys about President Zelensky and I was sharing how, you know, as you guys know, I always thought at the beginning that he was a good guy, right? A white hat, right? Uh, that um, he he was... Uh, he was um, rightfully voted for uh, in a populist way by the people of Ukraine. Uh, come to find out it wasn't exactly like that. Come to find out that, uh, you know, he might have been part of uh, a scheme, right? He might have been a part of a scheme that involved election theft, just like we saw here in the United States. And I say saw in the United States as in we actually see it, not as in it hasn't existed prior to 2020. Uh, but we, we were actually able to see the fraud and the theft that took place in 2020 because uh, it was always happening, guys. It was always happening. We just did not have the eyes to see it, right? So apparently Zelensky won much in the same way, right? Just like Venezuela. They stop counting the votes at a certain time. And then, you know, before you know it, uh, you wake up in the morning and you got a president that you did not want. Nor do you have the president that was projected to win. I mean, Zelensky apparently won in much the same way that uh, illegitimate Joe did. And, and uh, you know... Uh, uh, the guy from uh, the guy from Venezuela, you know, and I'm not talking about Maduro, but, you know, I think uh, Maduro might have actually won in the same way. But so Zelensky, you know, I was telling you guys Zelensky, right? I was like, well, this guy, he worked with President Trump, right? Um, I remember there were those times where President Trump would say something to the effect of uh, Ukraine being the most corrupt country in the world. And I remember Zelensky would squirm in his seat, you know? And w was that because uh, he was insecure as an actor, comedian, stepping into the role of a an international leader and a leader of a country? Or was it because he knew that his country was corrupt and he was uh, did not like the rhetoric that President Trump was talking about? Because then, you know, after all, I mean, if you're going to keep saying that we're corrupt, you're kind of like uh, creating our reality just to stop saying that. You know, I, I get like that sometimes. Or was he getting squirmy because maybe he had like a factotum of guilt and he was uh, part and parcel or participating in that corruption, you know, and then so come out, you know, all this information about uh, George Soros backing him and uh, Molokoisky, some Ukrainian oligarch and just a whole bunch of other things. World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab vouching for him, etc. And so it's like, well, I guess, you know, it's just like Tulsi Gabbard, right? Tulsi Gabbard, you know, I used to like Tulsi Gabbard. I really did. I, in my opinion, thought that she was perhaps, she was perhaps a patriot sleeper within the Democrat community. Like, she going to call herself a Democrat, but she's really a patriot, you know, um, how, how about we say no party patriot, right? Bipartisan politician, whatever, you know, whatever you want to call her. That's what I was thinking, you know, like she's going to go in there. 
She's going to infiltrate the Democrat Party. She'll have a good chance of winning because people, you know, like her. And, you know, then that's that, you know. And, and she even came out talking about the biolabs. In fact, last night someone passed me a link to a video during the show. I don't remember the name of the uh, individual that did it. It was someone I'd never seen before in my chat rooms. And they passed me a link to a video about a very, very wise and smart and intellectual cat. And in that video, the cat explained everything that was going on in Russia, you know, and talked a little bit about, you know, Zelensky and the way that he came up to. And so uh, I was like, very good cat. You got you have such a good perspective. But um, anyways, so Zelensky... As it turns out, you know, with the World Economic Forum, with George Soros, with, uh, you know, all these people, bad actors, right? Just like Tulsi Gabbard, right? Uh, Tulsi Gabbard came out in a video, right, talking about these biolab weapons. And actually, that's the video the cat was talking all about these biolabs, pulling, uh, referencing all the documentation. You know, you guys, you've seen it, you know it, you guys know. Everyone knows, again, which is why I go back to saying, like, why do, why does the media think that they can satiate the entire body of the American people, let alone the world, with their falsities and their propaganda? Because it just... I mean, I would say it's insulting. It's not really insulting, you know? Uh, I, I mean, because uh, I always prefer to be underestimated. It's not a good feeling to be underestimated, but at least they don't see a coming when they act in that way. But Tulsi Gabbard coming out and being like, they have uh, bio labs and they have this and they have that. And, you know, it's like, really, Tulsi, like, you probably knew about this for the longest of times, okay? So why are you coming out now and saying it? You probably knew what they were doing in Ukraine. You know, you probably knew about the Pentagon's involvement with these things around the world. And, you know, she I guess she's just trying to uh, raise herself some point. She's trying to win me back, right? Sorry, Tulsi, it's not going to work, okay? The same thing with Zelensky. You know, um, it's not going to work. But I still had that thought, you know. I still had that thought. So, you know, uh, Zelensky immediately went from a white hat to a black hat, right? Because uh, he, of uh, uh, the guilt of his acquaintances, right? But I was trying to show you guys um, a wild theory, right? that uh, came across one of my socials and we couldn't find it if you recall but I went back and I found it and as it happens the post on it's on Instagram that I wanted to share with you guys for some reason on the internet like the internet's version of Instagram doesn't just doesn't share it the way that it is shared on uh, you know like your cell phone or something so uh, this was the post okay because I was kind of thinking I was kind of thinking like I like this guy's way of thinking. This is this is what I was thinking before I found out about the World Economic Forum and I found out about uh, George Soros and Molokoisky being, uh, you know, basically the uh, coaches for Zelensky. But this was my thought originally. And I found it. So I'm going to share with you guys now. Let's take a gander at this. Get ready to have your worldview bended, Mr. C. Because you left, you came, you left. 
Okay, but this is what I was thinking. So this is from some guy named IET17, Inevitable ET. And he says, I have a wild theory. Yes, I've read and seen all the information on Zelensky pointing to him being a deep state asset. But Zelensky confuses me. I'm going to point out some of the things to paint a picture that might tell a different story. Don't shoot the messenger. I'm just researching and theorizing. Okay. So I was like, yeah, you know, that's kind of the way I was too. Well, actually, no, my gut was telling me Zelensky was a good guy. Okay. Uh, But then again, just like Tulsi Gabbard, all this crap comes out about him and you're like, well, damn, you know, like that's just, that just is not cool. Zelensky, that's just not cool. Anyway, so here's here's this guy's thoughts on Zelensky. Uh, And honestly, I don't like to flip-flop, and I'm not flip-flopping. You know, I will, um, I will, uh, my my opinions will be formulated as, uh, as the information comes forward, right? I think we're, I think a lot of us are like that, right? You know, we all have, we all reserve the right to a difference of opinion based on current information, you know, and so we'll, we'll just leave it there before I get more convoluted in my own mind. But here's some of the ideas uh, that this guy had pointed out that, you know, I'm like, well, you know, it, indeed, my friend, indeed. So uh, here's one. Uh, the phone call with Zelensky did not get Trump impeached. It did help frame those trying to impeach Trump with their connections to deep state Nazis in Ukraine. Okay, so yeah, I get that. I mean, uh, yes, the phone call um, shed light on who was actually doing the quid pro Joe. And of course, we know that it was Joe Biden. Um, and it did, uh, it did kind of call to attention about their connections with deep state Nazis, but really, I don't think that that phone call did do exactly that unless you were savvy enough to know that, uh, the owner of Burisma Holdings, which had to do with this phone call, you know, uh, that Molokoisky oligarch, um, was actually uh, funding the Nazis as well. And you would really have to dig for that, you know? Because uh, I'm actually quite surprised all that information is still available, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, even the videos I was watching today, I mean, they even had a video called the uh, Far Right Children's Training Camp. And in that video, you have members of the Azov Battalion on their summer camp for kids. And it's a documentary from Vice about the kids of the neo-Nazis being trained to def- uh, defend and love Ukraine. Okay. I can't believe it's still out there. It's, um, you know, for as much as they try and censor this information, like that's really still out there. And you guys are trying to tell us that there were no Nazis. There are no Nazis. Um, this is one of those topics that you can really get in the face of a lefty liberal about, you know, when they're like, I stand with Ukraine. Ukraine is sovereign, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, and yeah, it was, you know, I mean, um, some people say it is already part of the Russian Federation again. Putin has never said that that's what he wants to do. He just wanted to liberate the people of Donetsk and the Luhansk, the Donbass region. And um, I mean, that's not to say that he wouldn't take the country back if everyone went back to him. Um, but I guess we'll have to see where that goes. Right, ladies and gentlemen, because, you know, I mean, I I was watching Putin's speeches today, too. 
trying to catch up on all of those, uh, you know, and again, he reiterates those points, you know, he reiterates those points. We'll talk a little bit about more about Putin in just a sec. Let's uh, look at the, the next point this man has to say about Zelensky. Why on earth would the deep state Freemason Nazi coup in 2014 to get rid of Poroshenko in wind up with Zelensky beating him out if Zelensky was their guy? Wouldn't they just keep Poroshenko? Zelensky is holding Poroshenko accountable with treason charges. Now, this is another really good point, actually. Now, okay, so I could, okay, so I could easily refute that and say, well, of course, you know, um, they're going to put someone else in as long as they don't get a true outsider in, right? So Zelensky, as a deep state asset, could most easily easily have been put in by them just so that they could have another one of their own men running or in that position. So I think that's kind of a moot point. You know, Zelensky was holding Poroshenko accountable. Um, and if you saw any of the headlines or read any of them, uh, and there weren't many in American American uh, media, you'd have to look internationally. You know, I told you guys, Poroshenko, he fled the country. He went back to Ukraine, like literally weeks before Putin invaded. And uh, he turned himself in. And they refused, the people, the court refused to hold him. Like they wouldn't put him in jail. They wouldn't put a monitor brink, uh, a bracelet on his ankle. None of that. You know, they just let him walk out of the court. A man wanted on treason charges, Poroshenko. They just let him walk out of the court. And on top of that, um, uh, they didn't. They did not hold anything against him. They were like, he's not. He's not a high flee risk, uh, you know, so we'll go ahead and then um, walk, you know, walk around. And then on top of that, you also have the media in the, in the, in the, the Eastern part of the West, right? <laughs> the one, the, the Western globalist, uh, countries that are further East of the United States, you had those guys talking about how Poroshenko was their hero and he was going to defeat Putin. And before you knew it, Poroshenko was on the cover of the newspapers holding an AK-47 saying, we're going to take down Putin, right? Now, here's an interesting factoid that I don't know if many of you guys are aware of. Now, we had Zelensky facing assassination attempts. Oh, wait, you guys knew about the assassination attempts, right? Okay, well, here's one thing. They had, uh, there was an alleged assassination plot against uh, Zelensky that was happening uh, with a group of, uh, I guess, um, mercenaries out of Chechnya. Okay, so they were going to assassinate Zelensky. Okay, this was one of three plots to assassinate Zelensky that was recent. Now, two of those, the Ukrainian intelligence um, they foibled them, right? They they got they intercepted it, and you know Zelensky was safe, right? The the one from Chechnya, okay, the the mercenaries from Chechnya, they were not successful at executing, no pun intended, the assassination of President Zelensky, and the reason why that is, is because Putin had his intelligence agencies warn Ukraine that they were going after Zelensky, so. Putin saved Zelensky's life. So what is going on there, right? So here's what I think about that situation because people who've heard about that, there's been, you know, ideas floating. Why would Putin save Zelensky, right? You know, now keep in mind, 
the West and the globalists wanted Zelensky to leave Ukraine. And we don't know where he is right now, okay? Because wherever he's doing his little uh, crybaby, give me money and support us tantrums across the globe to all the world leaders, there everyone is everyone is saying, and, and from some of the videos that I've seen, he looks like he's in a green screen kind of a situation going on. And, you know, uh, it doesn't look like something is going on, right? So he, maybe he is not in Ukraine or maybe he's in a bunker somewhere in, uh, in, in, uh, Kiev, or maybe he's in Poland. Some people have said that he might be in Poland, right? Um, but, uh, he did not leave Ukraine. Okay. Now, as that, that comment from this gentleman states, Poroshenko is their guy. Okay. Poroshenko is, and has been their guy, but Zelensky who is allegedly also a deep state asset, they wanted him out. Now, I think if Poroshenko had gotten back in, and he would have done it this way, Zelensky would have fled Ukraine, and the media and, and the world leaders right away would have said, you know, this, this foppish, cowardly little actor just leaves Ukraine and, uh, and leaves his people behind. We need a real leader. We need Poroshenko back in there. Well, you know, I think that's what they wanted to do, okay? That did not happen. Now, if Poroshenko had gone in, they probably would have gone nuclear, okay? Or something else, right? Something else would have happened to back their man because at least they would know that they would have someone that they can depend on to be corrupt and and uh, dishonest, right? Because that's the way Poroshenko played it from the jump. Could it be that uh, Vladimir Putin spared Zelensky's life because he stayed in Ukraine and did not allow the deep state to make that next move on the chessboard? I think that's a possibility. Now, if you're following the same stream of thought that this man is talking about, then could it be that Zelensky is indeed like what, a double or triple agent working for the White Hats? Or maybe he made a deal? Uh, Because there's also speculation on that train of thought that uh, Zelensky has been having, um, has been using his meetings with Putin to update him on uh, where the neo-Nazis and the uh, far-right nationalists uh, have their weapons caches, have their, uh, have their um, uh, headquarters at, have their buildings, their group. So I don't know. I mean, that could be the case. Who knows, right? I mean, we won't know or we won't be privy to that knowledge anytime soon, I'm sure. But these are all very interesting questions to play at mind. And so, yeah, the other day when I was going on about, oh, there's just so much information out there. It's just getting quite ludicrous. Uh, if you're following these uh, stories as closely as I am, yeah, it could, it could make your hair fall out guys. And I just, I'm very fortunate that that happened a long time ago for me, uh, to be quite honest. Uh, but let's see what we got next. What other reason could Zelensky possibly actually be a white hat at this point, probably a gray hat. Maybe, maybe he made a deal. And he spilled the beans on Ukraine. He's like, I'm an actor. I can't take this kind of pressure. Zelensky almost never addresses the media, their people. In other words, the Western-backed media, globalists. And almost always uses social media, just like President Trump, to bypass the media. And strangely uses green screens to hide his true location. Hide from who? 
Putin or the Nazis. Now, when Zelensky first got into uh, his presidency, uh, from what I've read, he wanted to make a deal with the people of the Donbass region. Like he wanted to do something diplomatic with them. Um, but the Nazis threatened his life and told him that they would oust him from the presidency if he did that. And so, uh, well, being the foppish actor that Zelensky is, he went ahead and allowed conflict to occur. And he went ahead and allowed basically like a civil war to occur. Uh, so that's a little bit of the skinny on that um, as far as that goes. But let's see what this next... This thing is just so come on then. And don't worry guys, we got we got some we got a few couple of stories for you guys tonight like I was saying, but uh we're kind of off the cuff right now uh, only because they did not fix my throne room. And I've also had a really 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 I don't know, something's going on with my back. I'm I used to have really bad back problems when I used to have like, you know, a cowboy's wallet on one of my butt cheeks. Stop doing that. It went away. And it's like right now, I don't know. I, I'm, I feel like I, I feel like the lower base of my spine is on a, uh, on a triangular pivot every time I move. Uh, anyways, uh, you can't see this top line here. I don't know why, but it says he's done virtually nothing to always. Oh, yeah. Done virtually nothing to stop Putin and even gone as far as announcing his plans and intentions out loud so that Putin can be prepared. Okay. Uh, Zelensky is actually Russian and his father, although Jewish, served as an infantryman in Russia's army, reaching colonel in the Red Army in the 57th Guards Motor Rifle Division during World War II, a war which was financed and perpetrated by elite fake Jews who are, in my opinion, the real Nazis. Russia hates the Nazis and the New World Order. Now, that factoid right there about Russia not liking the Nazis and the New World Order is basically how I formed all of my thought process on what I've been seeing in Russia from the jump. Because if you know your history, ladies and gentlemen, you know Russia has a thing or two against the Khazarians, right? And and they translate to the Bolsheviks, right? And that translates to what? A fake what? Right? Okay. Now, uh, this whole thing about the fake Jews you know, is that you really have to be able to explain that point of view. Otherwise, you're going to get called an anti-Semite, you know. Um, but I don't know. I feel like we're at the point of existence um, that we can address this issue about fake Jews, okay, and, and not get caught up in this anti-Semitic rhetoric. Um, because uh, because it stands to, uh, we all know this to be the case, Right. Why not exterminate uh, your own um, ethnicity population so that you can use that as a cover against anything that you do that other people don't like, right? I mean, it makes, I mean, to me, that's, that's strategy and that makes perfect sense, you know, uh, at least that's the way I see it. Um, Okay, next thought here. Zelensky said out loud that the reason Israel should help him in mediation was because the founders of Israel, the Rothschilds, were Ukrainian descendants. See Khazaria, which is now Ukraine and Crimea. 
So, you know, I guess you would have to go back to a film like The Fall of the Cabal, where they present to you all of that rich history of the Khazars uh, and, uh, and their uh, track across, you know, Europe and Asia, uh, I guess their migration or what they're, they're, um, they're fleeing uh, from, since people didn't want these uh, bloodthirsty pagan baby eaters around anymore and they didn't want the human sacrifice and stuff like that. Uh, so if you watch that and if you looked up the, uh, the kingdom of Khazaria, would that put you, would that put you in, uh, would that put you in Ukraine? And if, if indeed it does, that's actually quite interesting, right? To think that, uh, Khazaria is actually Ukraine. So, uh, Khazaria today, let's see. We're going to pop that little baby open. Oh, look at this. The Ukraine and Khazaria. The Khazars today make up Eastern European Jews known as Askenazi. Named after Togarim's brother, Ezekiel's prophecy of the so-called Russian invasion of Israel was actually fulfilled when the Russian Jews conquered Palestine through immigration. In fact, modern Jews are a combination of Judah, Edom, and Khazar Tog Togarmar Magog. Hmm. Jews are Khazars. Uh, let's see here. Let's 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 check out this old world map. Is there any truth to that, guys? So. Oh, well, that's Kazakhstan. Uh, oh, former kingdom of Khazaria. You see, it's right over. Oh, let me let me expand that. That's what this says here. Former kingdom of Khazaria. Well, I, I do believe that that is Porsche partially Ukraine. Look at that. Like Ukraine's right here. Okay. Right. Russia, Ukraine. All and down through here. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, well, that's what it says, right, guys? So very, very well, possibly, you know, the Khazarians just, you know, hid out in their own uh, mountains, the mountains of Ukraine. Now, if, if you think about it, like uh, you have Donetsk right here. Can you guys see that? I don't know if you guys can see that. The Donbass region right here, right, eastern Ukraine. Khazaria went through at least half of Ukraine. Interesting. So I guess there is something to that. I mean, would you think so just by looking at a map like that? Uh, let's look at this one. Actually, there's very, there's very many several of them. Yeah, there's, there's a whole bunch of them, but they all basically go into Ukraine. So I guess, you know, that statement could be, could be considered rather accurate. At least historically speaking, uh, where are we at? Oh, that's where we're at. Okay. Boom. Okay. All right. So very interesting, guys. Very interesting information. Uh, let's see here. It says here, the next one. Uh, more reasons why Zelensky could actually be working for the good side. Zelensky won presidency because he campaigned to end the Donbass war and kept his vow and reached a treaty with Putin to end the war on Donbass. But when Zelensky tried to impose this peace and disarm the real Nazi forces in Ukraine, denied it, and this set the special denazification operation run by Putin that we're seeing now. 
Do the neo-Nazis in Ukraine really support Zelensky if Poroshenko was their guy? It's been rumored that Zelensky is operating as inside intel to Putin during these secret negotiation meetings, letting him know where to strike. This rumor stems from when Ukrainian negotiator Denis Kyiv was summarily executed for treason by Ukrainian security forces, an execution coming after Kyiv revealed to his British intelligence contacts that Ukrainian President Zelensky was using these meetings to order specific airstrikes by Russia. Ooh, you guys, you guys know how it says uh, how they have this uh, whole Operation Z thing, right? And I guess Z is the new uh, the new um, symbol for um, racism and neo Nazism. What if this Z thing means that uh, they're also protecting Zelensky? Hmm, interesting stuff, huh? I told you this stuff was interesting. Where to go? Uh, Putin used his airstrikes to destroy the only MIG-29 repair depot in Ukraine before the West could transport warplanes there to aid the Nazis, and then used hypersonic missiles for the first time on an underground DUMB, a deep underground military base, ammunitions base, where American-supplied weapons were supposed to reach Ukraine Nazi forces. Hey, come, what did you do that for? Hey, what did you do that for? Hey, sorry guys, I don't know why. It wants to do a countdown. Okay, all right, and uh, let's see, final points on this. Whoa, look how big that got. Hey, final points on this. It says, uh, and last but not least, if I could fix the screen right, Zelensky is literally an actor. He would have to feign being on their side, otherwise risk being assassinated by the Nazis for betrayal. What if he's not where he's saying he is because he's actually being protected from the Nazis and not Putin, and the deep state has to keep up the appearances and continue to let it be known they support Zelensky or their whole I stand for Ukraine narrative falls. Infiltration and invasion kek, it says. So interesting stuff, guys. Interesting point. In my opinion, that's an interesting point of view. Uh, but, you know, I'm at the point where we'll just let it ride until we find out, right? Because, I mean, we can't belabor the entire uh, – we can't belabor that and process too much. It's just – it's a lot to take in and digest and try and figure out on one's own, let alone all these ideas flying at you. But, I mean, you never know. You never know. Um, I just think Putin needs to get out, right? He needs to get out, but uh, these Nazi battalions, etc. um Recently, uh, what was it on the the eighth? I think it was. Was it the eighth? I think it was on the eighth. Putin actually gave a speech in a stadium in Russia, in in Moscow. Uh, it was an eighty thousand plus capacity stadium, uh, and it was stock full of Russians. And then they had you know a huge stage outside, so thousands and thousands and thousands of Russians showing up to support. Uh, President Putin to speak. He spoke for six and a half minutes. Okay, um, it was it was a rally for patriotism in Russia, and uh, it was televised on Russian TV. And Putin's giving his speech, and then 
it cuts him off during his speech on television. So now the word around the water cooler is that uh, that was a signal that people inside Russia's government are going to attempt to remove Putin, uh, namely starting with like an oligarch or two, you know, that want him gone because they can't access their yachts, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, because of Putin, right? Um, so I don't know. I mean, again, these are the, these are the, the stories that they tell, you know, along with the, uh, chemical warfare and along with the, uh, you know, um, uh, bioweapons that Putin's going to, oh, and the nuclear warheads that he's going to shoot at people. So I don't know. We'll have to see. Uh, I just fear for the man, uh, because I think the longer that they're in Ukraine, the more likely it is that they can uh, do something that will not be helpful towards the cause. Because, you know, since he is doing this military operation, he's trying not to kill people and he's trying not to uh, make it a huge, all bloody kinetic war. He's not going into the city centers. And we all know that the way that the media spun that was, oh, he's being held back at the, he's being held back at the gates of, of Kiev. The Ukraine army is fighting so hard that they can't advance. Oh, this is much harder for Putin than he thought it would be. Yeah, and, and all the while, you know, if, you know, friends over at, you know, like Foxhole and, and, and other places, people are showing me all these videos that just speak to the exact opposite of the propaganda that uh, the lamestream, shamestream, fake news, mockingbird, legacy, pedophile, propaganda media are, are spinning. And, and this is also kind of why I feel like they're really showing who they are at this point. You know, they're really showing who they are. And I think that there are enough people out there that get it. Now, I'm not talking about your everyday normies and your sleeping uh, humans. I'm talking about the people that actually do something in life, regardless of their party, that they can actually see what's going on, I think. But anyhow, I digress. Uh, let's see here. We got Relanon in the house. What's up, Relanon? Good evening. Thank you for the 117 gold pills. 123 SKG. Thank you so much for gifting the can and uh, pilled by the rabbit and Khaleesi 2020. Thanks for hanging out tonight over at the foxhole.app, pill.net. Hope you guys are having a wonderful evening. That was just uh, my Russia spiel. Now, a couple of things we'll have to cover tonight. Uh, light headlines, but I wanted to jump into... Um, the situation in Kansas, in Kansas, as it was brought to my attention last night uh, by one Mr. Aurelius Locke, at Kansas, uh, recently, and that this was recent as of March 15th, oh, the Ides of March, that we had, uh, we had someone go before the Kansas State Senate and uh, deliver a deliver a, uh, a speech, an informational speech about election fraud and election theft. So you guys better believe that my nose was poking around there today. Okay. And uh, so we're going to talk about that. Uh, found out some very interesting information. I learned some stuff that was well outside of my scope. Like, uh, my eyes were not upon the Kansas, nor were my eyes upon the oodles of information that came out of this one hearing, okay? This, this entire, and some of you guys might be privy to this story. It seems that, uh, the, uh, 
if I'm not mistaken, okay, it seems that the uh, the individual that delivered this hearing to the Senate with all of this information backed by evidence from intelligence agencies across the pond has been on shows with like Red Pill 78, for example. So this is, I mean, uh, as an example, that's why I'm saying you guys might be familiar with this information uh, because I know there's a lot of Red Pill fans out there in the audience and beyond. I'd never heard of this, okay? I'd never heard of this. I'd never heard any of this information before. And all I can say is, you know, last night we were talking about all of the pieces of the puzzle coming together. If you consider all of the information that we've received from any of the uh, court hearings and the trials and the procedures that have been happening with uh, across the United States, and then you take those into account with like affidavits from Tory Says, and then this new information that I just, just came across my desk last night, okay, I had no idea about any of this stuff, okay, but talk about putting all of your pieces together, right? All, all that needs to be done, all, it's almost like all the pieces are there. And it's just weird, the timing of things, right? It's just weird, the timing of things. And how, uh, how, how as we turn over one stone, another stone is turned over for us. And we can see what's on the other side. It's insane, but it's, it's good. It's good, okay? You know, if, if they had all of this information back in November, December of 2020, you know, Giuliani and uh, President Trump's legal team might have stood a chance at these hearings that they had in six counties before January 6th. Very, very quite possible. Very, very interesting information. So we're going to talk about that because you got. I was poking around in that today. I was most definitely poking around in that today and uh, quite happy with the uh, information that I got. Okay. And uh, let me see here. I'm going to... Something else came to my mind when we were talking about Kansas, ladies and gentlemen, because uh, I was wondering why did they have this hearing in Kansas? I still don't know why. The individual who delivered this information delivered it to the legislative body of Kansas. She could have gone anywhere. She said it herself, but she did it. She delivered it to Kansas. I don't understand why. Um, it's very, very interesting information. Okay, let's jump into this, guys. We got a couple of Trump um, statements and then we got a few. We're, we're just going to have some things to talk about right There's There's President Trump. Hello, President Trump. Good to see you. You're hard at work filling out that ledger with your uh, thick uh, permanent marker there. Um, let's see here. Okay, statements. Let's start with the statement from President Trump. Okay, so this is uh, the uh, scheduled itinerary for uh, President Trump's next rally held in to be held in Commerce, Georgia. How exciting. We should be here for that one for sure, ladies and gentlemen. The next one coming up is on March 26th in Commerce, Georgia. It says uh, President Donald J. Trump will be joined by endorsed candidates and members of the Georgia congressional delegation. The Save America rally is a continuation of President Trump's unprecedented effort to advance the MAGA agenda by energizing voters and highlighting America first candidates and causes. 
All right. So it looks like uh, uh, the boss will be up at 7 p.m. as per the huge. And uh, let's see. We got a list of speakers here, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, here they come. Special guest speakers, David Perdue, all right, United States Senator from Georgia and candidate for governor of Georgia. Uh, State Senator Burt Jones, uh, that is a state senator for Georgia and candidate for lieutenant governor of Georgia. Herschel Walker, Heisman Trophy winner and candidate for United States Senate. Jody Heiss, United States Representative of Georgia's 10th Congressional District and candidate for Secretary of State. Now, Jody Heiss is a member of the Secretary of State Coalition. If you guys remember what that is, that is a group of uh, a group of America first minded uh, individuals who are running for Secretary of State. Uh, that's one to watch, guys. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene will be in the House. She's the representative of Georgia's 114th Congressional District. Andrew Clyde, a United States representative from Georgia's 9th District. Vernon Jones, former state uh, representative and candidate for Georgia's 10th District. Uh, It'll be interesting to see the uh, reception that Mr. Jones faces there in Georgia, Mr. John Gordon, candidate for Attorney General of Georgia, and Patrick Witt, candidate for Insurance and Safety Fire Commissioner of Georgia. Oh, pardon me. Tom Homan, former Acting Director of Youth Immigration and Customs Enforcement, and Todd Starnes, a conservative columnist, commentator, author, and radio host. So it sounds like they have a full itinerary schedule, ladies and gentlemen, for Saturday the 26th. So that puts us at this Saturday, huh? Should be fun, ladies and gentlemen, I don't doubt. I do not doubt. Hey, Airborne Armor. Airborne Armor says it had to be shown to the people. Indeed, it did, it does. It definitely does, guys. It has to be shown to us because we're that picky and we're that lazy, right? <laughs> uh, but, but good. I mean, as long as we maintain that purview, we won't get caught up in any of the, uh, any of the uh, mishappenings uh, out there. Next statement from President Trump. Mo Brooks. Now, I know some of you guys were in the audience here at Mr. CTV, uh, when we were doing our uh, Alabama coverage of the rally, our watch party of the rally in Alabama, I know you guys were here with us. I know some of you guys are here. I don't know if you guys remember or not. Whenever Mo Brooks was talking, when he was done, I was like, wait, what? I was like, this guy, I was like, did I said, did this guy really just say what he said? Okay. And I was like, no. And, you know, I was, uh, at at that time I was like, wait, is Mo Brooks a good guy or a bad guy? Cause I remember him being a good guy, but I remember there was something about him that was suspect. Okay. And, uh, and then of course, shortly thereafter, President Trump endorsed him. So I was like, okay, well, Mo Brooks is a good guy. Well, if you guys have not heard the latest scandal, The statement goes on to say Mo Brooks was a leader on the 2020 election fraud. And then all of a sudden, during the big rally in Alabama, he went woke and decided to drop everything that he stood for. Uh, 
When he did, the people of Alabama dropped him, and now I have done so also. The people get it, but unfortunately, Mo, Mo, Mo does not. As far as Mitch McConnell, I am not a fan, and there's been no harsher critic than me. He has been absolutely terrible and a very bad for the GOP. The sooner he leaves leadership, the better off the Republican Party will be. So President Trump took a bite out of Mo and a bite out of Cocaine Mitch. Watch out, President Trump. You might get wired biting someone like Cocaine Mitch. But why would he say that? Well, apparently Mo Brooks said something to tick off President Trump. You guys probably have heard. Here he, he clarifies in this statement President Trump does. It says, Mo Brooks of Alabama made a horrible mistake recently when he went woke and stated, referring to the 2020 presidential election scam, put that behind you, put that behind you. Despite the fact that the election was rife with fraud and irregularities. If we forget, the radical left Democrats will continue to cheat and steal elections. Just like, uh, just look at what is happening in Wisconsin, Arizona, Pennsylvania, Georgia, and elsewhere. But tremendous progress has been made that will help us in 2022 and 2024. The 2020 election was rigged, and we cannot let them get away with it indeed. That's why we stay on this trail as much as we can, because we can't forget, ladies and gentlemen, that would be... Uh, that would be a crime against humanity. Uh, as dramatic as that sounds, there, you know, there's some truth to it, right? Uh, Mo Brooks uh, recently had uh, an interview with ABC or NBC or something like that. And they were asking him about this entire, President Trump has withdrawn his endorsement, right? Did we get there? Oh, we didn't. Huh? We, we let the cat out of the bag a little bit too soon. Okay, so let's finish up the statement. Okay. Uh, President Trump says, when I endorsed Mo Brooks, he took a 44-point lead and was unstoppable. He then hired a new campaign staff who brilliantly convinced him to stop talking about the 2020 elections. He listened to them. Then, according to the polls, Mo's 44-point lead totally evaporated, all based on his 2020 statement made at our massive rally in Cullman, Alabama. Do you guys remember? When I heard his statement, I said, Mo, you just blew the election and there's nothing you can do about it. Very sad, but since he decided to go in another direction, so have I. And I am hereby withdrawing my endorsement of Mo Brooks for the Senate. I don't think the great people of Alabama will disagree with me. Election fraud must be captured and stopped or we won't have a country anymore. I will be making a new endorsement in the near future. Never let it be said, Greg Abbott, that President Trump could not withdraw his statements, his endorsements of, uh, you know, of uh, confidence in these people. It just seems that Mo Brooks is the first one to feel that wrath. But why would you say something like that? Never During the rally, he said, he, never mind 2021, 
uh, or 2020. You need to think about 2022 and 2024. And in that interview with NBC or ABC or whoever it was, he was saying the same thing. He said he said he told President Trump that it was there was nothing in the law that could do that, nothing in the Constitution. It would be illegal because uh, President Trump wanted him to uh, decertify the electors and uh, and encourage and rouse everyone in the Alabama legislature to bring President Trump back. And then, of course, the interviewer was like, oh, really? President Trump said that? You should go talk to the J6 committee, people. Yeah. They need all the ammo they can get because, after all, ladies and gentlemen, they don't got squat. The C-Report and all the shows on this podcast channel are 100% listener-supported. We don't have corporate sponsors We don't have independent sponsors. Our sponsors are you, the listener. So if you like the work we do and like what we have to say and contribute to the world of news and information and entertainment, please show us your support. Make a monthly donation to help sustain future episodes at anchor.fm slash the C report. Your support is greatly appreciated. From $0.99 per month to $4.99 per month to $9.99 per month. Every donation counts and every bit helps. Show your support for The Sea Report and other shows on this podcast channel by visiting anchor.fm slash The Sea Report. And thanks, y'all. All right, so Mo Brooks, guys. Another one bites the dust. He seemed rather promising up until and prior to that point. But, uh, well, there you go, guys. There you go. Wah! Who's that? It's a Skeksis, ladies and gentlemen. A Skeksis. On the screen right now. You might have thought these guys were extinct and they also come in female form. Skeksis, Right? Skeksis, dried out old avian-like troll bird hater people. Ugh. Madeline Albright. Madeline Albright is dead, ladies and gentlemen. Now, I was kind of like, so she dies at, what, 84, 85, right? Uh, For those of you who don't know Madeline Albright, she was, uh, Secretary of State, I think that's where she's most known for, uh, during the Clinton years, you know, she was, uh, she was, uh, Hillary Clinton's baby mama, right? Uh, that was her, her, uh, sugar mama, right? Uh, her and Madeline, they were like that. They were like that, right? Uh, uh, Madeline Albright, whom said, uh, anyone, any woman who does not vote for Hillary Clinton, there's a special place in hell for you. And they would probably see Madeline Albright in hell, right? Like Mal- Madeline Albright would probably be like, open up, drop a whole bunch of adrenochrome down that poor woman's throat and then turn into the devil with six hairy boobs on her back. She looks like, you know, you guys ever seen that movie, The Witches, with uh, Angelica Houston? <laughs> That's what she looks like to me. If you guys don't believe me, I've prepared, I've prepared a uh, visual memorial for Madeline Albright and, uh, and, her, uh, and her witch face. Like, there she is again. You just know this woman does not have any toes, right? 
She has no toes and she likes to eat children. Okay, Madeline Albright, the uh, f- the uh, the um, the witch of the deep state. Oh, look! There's she just she just had a child, or or she just cast a spell on a poor little American boy or girl, right? She's like, yes, I do good work here. I do good work here. I, Madeline Albright, the witch. Now, you know, so she's dead, right? And um, it really, one could jump on it like, oh, you know, I was like, did she die, die? I mean, they said she died of cancer uh, is what it was, you know? Just like, uh, just like, just like John McStain, right? Dies of cancer. But you know, when they get to be in their 80s and 90s, you can't really be like, oh, that was a deep state operation, uh, or that was a, a white hat operation, and uh, you know, um, they had military tribunals. I was like, uh, let me let me go over to Real Raw News and let me see their headline say, Madeline Albright executed. And uh, she died for her crimes against humanity. And, uh, you know, uh, that was her clone uh, that's dead, that died today. Or, you know, she was, uh, they had her body on ice, etc. You know, I mean, come on. Come on, y'all. Come on. Ah, there we go. There's, there's another one. Yes, this is the, the mother witch right here. Madeline Albright. Ah, okay. I got more of these guys. I'm just, this is a visual memorial to uh, Hillary Clinton's, uh, um, you know, uh, sugar mama. Boop. I think, (laughs) I know you guys are probably tired of seeing this old witch, right? Oh, that's even worse. (laughs) Steven, you are always getting ahead. Okay. I don't want to end it with her smiling. Let's do that one. Okay. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Steven, get your freaking comb over off the screen. Thank you. Okay. All right. Uh, the podcast people, you guys are missing out on so much here. Uh, Madeline Albright, we'll just talk about her a little bit. Um, you know, uh, career politician, right? Uh, forever deep state, worked on the council of foreign relations. Actually, I think that was, she was still on uh, a board member of the council of foreign relations, uh, at the time of her death. Look right here. Yeah. Council on foreign relations, ladies and gentlemen. Boo. Uh, so they, they, she was a board member. She was uh, the chair of Albright Stonebridge Group LLC. We're going we're gonna to read her uh, bio from the Council on Foreign Relations. Madeline K. Albright is chair of Albright Stonebridge Group and professor, author, diplomat, and businesswoman who served as the 64th Secretary of State of the United States. Albright received the Presidential Medal of Freedom, the nation's highest civilian honor, from President Barack Obama on May 29, 2012. In 1997, Albright was named the first female Secretary of State and became, at that time, the highest-ranking woman in the history of the United States government. As Secretary of State, Albright reinforced America's alliances, advocated for democracy and human rights, and promoted American trade, business, labor, and environmental standards. From 93 to 97, Albright served as the United States Permanent Representative to the United Nations and was a member of the President's Cabinet From 1989 to 92, she served as president of the Center for National Policy, 
Previously, she was a member of President Jimmy Carter's National Security Council and White House staff and served as chief legislative assistant to the United States Senator Edmund S. Muskie. So just a little bit about her. Uh, Very much a war hawk. Madeleine Albright was uh, thought that killing thousands of children was worth it uh, in regards to war. Okay, she she said that one on a 60 Minutes uh, video uh, interview that they had one time. So uh, not bueno people, this Madeleine Albright, not bueno at all, I think most likely did die of natural causes, whether that was cancer or not. Don't think she uh, don't think that they uh, they took her in and they questioned her and they threatened her, etc. They probably saw her as being um, non-threatening. Now, there was this rumor mill, though. Uh, Madeline Albright was, um, she worked with an organization called, uh, Washington DC organization of American States. Okay. They say that, uh, this organization of American States was actually involved with human and child trafficking, right? Um, let's see here. This article says, uh, Bill Clinton's former Secretary of State and Hillary's mentor, Madeleine Albright, established human trafficking operations from within her Washington, D.C. Organizations of American States office during the 1980s. Albright's secondary OAS office, strategically located in the heart of St. Thomas, United States Virgin Islands, became a hub for Clinton cocaine and MK Ultra human trafficking operations, NCL Cruise Lines, a now identified facilitator for CIA black ops, often transported my daughter, me, and illicit drugs to centralized locations and private islands throughout the Caribbean. From there, drugs were easily brought into the United States across criminally established United States Mexican border cartel routes. Interesting, huh? I mean, it seems to fit if, uh, for example, you know, we have uh, the Clintons running these types of operations. Maybe, you know, Madeleine Albright taught uh, Hillary Clinton how to traffic children. Maybe Madeleine Albright taught Hillary Clinton how to drink the blood of children. Maybe Madeleine Albright taught Hillary Clinton her finest and most sacred beauty secrets which include scalping a face off of a human and wearing it as their own, just to get those young, restorative, youthy tones once again, ladies and gentlemen. I would check her feet and see if she has toes. It sounds like the audience agrees with me. Airborne armor, I'll get you, my pretty. <laughs> and your little Trump, too. Ha ha ha. And 123SKG, uh, a member of the coven. Don't doubt, don't doubt, Madeline Albright. God rest, save, have mercy on her soul. Let's talk about little Stephen Richer. I was going to call him Dick Richer, but his last name is Richer, not Richard, you know. Uh, uh, she's probably in hell, says Christine C. Yeah, well, she just might be. Uh... My father told me that his gra- his father, my grandfather, told him when he was young, he was like, Miho, when I die, if you see a, fel- a, fe- a feather falling from heaven, then you know where I went. He said, if you see smoke, 
you know where I went. I was like, damn, Grandpa. <laughs> I never knew that one. Some say it's a blessing that I didn't. Anyways, let's talk about Stephen Richer, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, just real quick news uh, on elections and stuff. Now, you guys remember we were talking about Stephen Richer. It wasn't last night. I think it was the night before. It was it last night. Taneo, right? Yeah. Uh, A.G. Bernovich, right? A.G. Bernovich hanging out with this guy right here. This guy is the former Maricopa County recorder. Just in case you did not recognize the uh, comb over there. Uh, and uh, he, again, ran against Adrian Fontes, who was the, uh, the county recorder in Maricopa that uh, really assisted in uh, election fraud prior to 2020. Now, Richard was not running the elections in 2020 in Maricopa County. It wasn't until afterwards, but uh, he ran on this whole uh, platform of transparency and boredom and then worked as hard as he could not to, uh, not to um, uh, comply with the subpoenas by the Arizona State Senate during their forensic audits. This guy was just a bit. And then he did his rounds in the media Talking it up, you know, this is a fraud it. It's stupid. The, these people don't know what they're doing. Bamboo paper and uh, blue pens, right? That is richer, okay? That is richer. Uh, who's also a topic of investigation, allegedly, during uh, Attorney General Bernovich's case here, uh, looking into the fraud and the evidence presented in the report from the audit. Uh, but instead is hanging out with uh, St uh, Stephen Richard, probably teaching him how to use nunchucks, Right? Uh, but it appears that in an exclusive to the Gateway Pundit, that some emails have been leaked from Stephen Richer as Maricopa County recorder that reveal that voter fraud was already known about and was already a concern prior to the 2020 elections. Uh, the article says that uh, newly released emails from November 2019 show Maricopa County recorder Stephen Richard expressing his concerns about voter fraud and unscrupulous election officials before the rigged 2020 election. Uh, we the People Arizona Alliance, Shelby Bush, provided these emails between Stephen Richard and her to the Gateway Pundit. It says, in 2018, Stephen Richard was tasked by the, American G the Arizona GOP with auditing the 2018 midterm election after serious concerns over fraud and elections law violations. His findings were inconclusive due to then recorder Adrian Fontes' failure to produce requested documents. Ah, so it seems that Stephen uh, Richer took a page out of Adrian Fontes' book and just did not produce what was required of them. And it says, um, let's see here. Uh, recorder Stephen Richer ran for office in 2020 on the same points. He told voters that former Maricopa County recorder Adrian Fontes is a criminal. One year before his election, Stephen Richer wrote, The confidence has been further damaged by the fact that Fontes has not given a full accounting for his actions in the election and his office has failed to produce documents in response to the multiple records requests put forward by the Republican and its surrogate. In the emails, Richard expresses concern over ballot harvesting, signature verifications, human bias, duplication of ballots, voter roll maintenance, and policy that enables election fraud. In regards to ballot duplication, due to unreadable uh, ballots, Richard suggests that we simply throw it away because human oversight is an imperfect art. Uh, 
He further stated that it was likely the voters' own fault if their ballots were unreadable. Richard even showed support for post-election door-to-door canvassing efforts. In the last email, Richard says that the best way to know if someone lives at the address they voted from would be to go and canvass the residents. Yeah, very interesting, right? Maricopa County and election fraud deniers have taken a hard stance against these ideas. They have even claimed that post-election canvassing is equivalent to voter intimidation. Stephen Richard won the 2020 election and refused to get to the bottom of the stolen 2020 election. And, uh, well, apparently Stephen Richard has this entire... Oh, it's a very long... hmm, Very long emails between Richard and someone. So the Maricopa County full forensic audit election audit discovered multiple election violations, law violations, and over 700,000 ballots uh, discrepancies. And there were also an additional uh, 740,000 ballots that were investigated and they found they had a lack of chain of custody. All of this stuff right here, guys, is enough for them to decertify. Hmm. That's what I would think. But there's your comb over denier. Stephen Richer, he, uh, I don't know. I don't know, guys. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to think about Arizona. A lot of people have faith that it is going to, they're saying right now, as we speak, A.G. Brnovich is getting ready to arrest people. Could be, hope so. Could be, hope so. But uh, I guess we'll have to wait and see, ladies and gentlemen. All right, guys, let's turn our eyes over to Nebraska. Uh, Big hat tip to uh, Aurelius Locke for bringing this story to my attention last night. You had to know I was going to jump all over it, ladies and gentlemen. Um, So especially in the realm of election integrity and exposing election fraud, it seems that Kansas has been under the radar in this regard, okay? Okay. Now, that makes me wonder how many other states are under the radar. You know, at least when it came to South Carolina, we we received some form of an alert before it got too hot and heavy. Uh, of course, if you guys recall, South Carolina, they performed their own audit of uh, various, but not all, of their counties. And they had massive concerns based on what they discovered. Now, it seems to me that... Um, the people of Nebraska, the the legislators, would also be concerned about what they've been told. And again, uh, this is a two-part story here tonight, guys, because, uh, you know, uh, the information that was given to me last night was in regard to a recent hearing that the state Senate in Nebraska had, uh, where they hosted a speaker um, by the name of Maria Zacks, okay? Now, like I said, I have never heard of Maria Zacks, and I've never heard the story that she has to tell. Now, some people in my audience might be familiar with this information because I am aware of uh, uh, of one show in particular that featured Maria Zacks and Zach Payne of Red Pill 78, right? That's his name, Zach Payne, or is that someone else? It's Zach Payne, isn't it? That's Red Pill, isn't it? So apparently Maria and Zach were both on an X-22 episode, a Sunday episode together. So that's why I I feel some people in my audience might be familiar with this information. I'm not, okay? I've never heard of this. 
did not know about it, right? Never heard about it, never knew about it, never saw anything about it, never talked about it, never knew about Kansas. So I thank you, Aurelius, and everyone else in the audience that was passing along the information last night, because I absolutely want to capture this moment of election integrity and election fraud in the stories here at the Sea Report. Uh, one, two, three, SKG, thank you so much for gifting the can, uh, the ship. Oh, thank you for gifting the ship, one, two, three. That is, thank you so much, much appreciated. Uh, and hey, Skeeter Burke, what's going on? How are you doing tonight? Hope you're doing well. But uh, yeah, so good, good stuff to know, guys. This information is totally bombshell, okay? Totally bombshell. Um, parts of it, okay? And I, I'll tell you guys why again. Uh, and that is because... As, as I was expressing, uh, I think on Monday, when we were going over the Dominion affidavit from Tory says that there are so many fragmented parts of this whole, but as we have advanced further down this, uh, this timeline, all of these fractured pieces have begun to really come together and gel. Now all they need is someone who is savvy enough to look at all of the pieces of the puzzle and put it together and deliver it to its appropriate jurisdiction. Okay. Um, in the case of Maria Zacks and the information that she shared, well, that, ladies and gentlemen, is like the information that you get at the end of your investigation, at the culmination of your investigation. You get the who, you get the what, you get the where, you get the how. You might not always get the why, but in, in this case, we don't need the why, okay? We can always speculate about why they stole an election, okay? But the who, where, what, and when, those answers if answered correctly, are enough to make a move without needing the why, okay? Now, when we're going over Tori's affidavit that she submitted to the courts in 2020, okay? And when we're going over all of the uh, election audits and all of the investigations that have been happening... The ones in particular that come to mind are Arizona, Wisconsin, Michigan, Georgia, and New Hampshire, okay? If you look at all of that and you take the information that was just given to me across my desk about Maria's acts and what she has to say, well, you got yourself a stew going, ladies and gentlemen, like you have all the ingredients right there. Now you just need someone to pick it all up and deliver it to the person that needs to see it. Because you have the who, what, where, when, and how, and, and then you couple that up with all of the groundwork and foundation that you need, you know, because, for example, Maria Zach's information had to deal with the actual transmission 
of the signal that flipped the votes and where it came from and who did it and how they did it, right? But this is where maybe Sidney Powell and Mike Lindell and Rudy Giuliani were hung up. They had the information very, very late. In fact, their hearings were already over by the time they got Maria Zach's information. But had they had Maria Zach's information to begin with, they still would have faced the problem of Dominion voting systems denying, 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 denying that their machines are connectable to the internet. But through the investigation in Antrim County and through the investigation by Michael Gableman in Wisconsin, we were very easily able to determine how these machines were connectable to the internet. Through Tory's affidavit, not only did we learn how they were, but what parts of them were. Now, Michael Gableman's report revealed that in those machines, there were 36 points of connectability, okay? 36 ports where someone could connect remotely to that machine. How egregious. 36 points of possible exploitation. And then Tory's affidavit says, well, the way that they use it was very most likely through commercial off-the-shelf parts. In other words, made in China. Okay? Commercial, for sale commercially, off-the-shelf parts that are used to put together inside the machine. Parts made in China. Could that possibly lend itself towards international interference? Very much so. So you have all of the pieces of the puzzles coming together, okay? And President Trump did not have Giuliani, Lindell, Powell. They did not have the how because you could have Maria Zach's information, but if you have Dominion denying without, le- without letting anyone audit their machines forensically unless they work for them or they work with the establishment, there's no way of being able to verify that Maria Zach's information connected with the machines in the States. And let's not forget also through Tory's affidavit, we had confirmation that Seidel was linked up with servers in Germany which also is shown in Maria Zach's information. All of the information, all of the information comes together here and now what? 14 months later, 15 months later? Aurelius Locke says, Maria's info jumpstarts the electronic theft that was on the life support after it was shut down by the courts and lawsuits. Perfect timing. It does. But you know what? This is what I'm saying, Aurelius, is that her her information, her information on the electronics is going to jumpstart it now. Okay. Do you know why it's going to be now, Mr. Aurelius? Because, because like I said, Wisconsin and and Michigan, beyond a shadow of a doubt, could prove that these machines could be remotely connected, okay? Arizona, no. Because why? Because they have refused to give them the routers and the Splunk logs, which would give them the location and the movement 
of that information, right? That's why Arizona is a big deal because they refuse to give them that information, access to it. But in Wisconsin and Michigan, they proved it. They, they demonstrated it, okay? Um, the reason why Maria's information will jumpstart the electronic piece of it now is because Maria finally spoke to a body of legislators. Why Kansas? I don't know. I don't know why she went to Kansas. Now, Maria, according to her statements, is very well known throughout uh, intelligence and even uh, throughout uh, the bodies of, you know, uh, um, uh, politicians and stuff like that. And D.C. and beyond uh, for contracting firms, everything. Right. Like they know people know Maria. OK, uh, I think it's about time everyone else got to know Maria, you know, in looking up her stuff. She's got a lot of interviews, uh, maybe not so much. You know, there was probably at least six or seven different interviews that I could have gone into. Um, I didn't. I, I, I did one and I watched her hearing. Um, that's what I was doing today while they were working on my throne room. Right. And so but she's finally delivered this to legislation to, to act on it. So it very well could jumpstart. The, the evidence has been submitted. Right. And so this could go somewhere. Now, she had her hearing in Nebraska on the 15th of this month. Beware the Ides of March, deep state. Oh, did this go underneath the radar, ladies and gentlemen? It went on. I had no idea. Now. Hey, Sonia JT. Uh, welcome. Welcome. Good to see you. Doing a great job on this election fraud. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I do not have a sub 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 stack. I apologize. I apologize. <laughs> Skeeter Burke, I dropped a log and it went splunk in the river. <laughs> awesome. Um, okay, guys. So, so more substantiated. I see what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely, Mr. Relius. It is more substantiated. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, uh, all, of, all of the, uh, all of the, um, all of the hearings that show illustrate how you can internet connect. And Maria said, well, this is, these are the ones that did it. Okay. So you have the evidence that it can be done. And now you have the evidence of who did it. Very interesting story now. Okay. So now she speaks with uh, the Senate, uh, state senators in, um, in Kansas. Uh, Maria does on the 15th of this month. Very, very fresh. Okay. Very, very fresh. Did anyone know that Kansas actually held an informational hearing on election fraud in February? So this is happening really quick now, okay? Um, there was this article I found on Frank's speech, interesting enough, right? Kansas citizens and Dr. Frank present at Senate an informational hearing. So I went back and I watched some of that hearing. Now, this is interesting because not, no, there was not a lot of news about this at all. I mean, I don't know anyone who covered this or I missed, I missed it completely. Um, Frank speech had it, which is great. I mean, that's one place I think you could depend on to go to for consistent, um, information on election fraud and theft and integrity. Uh, cause that is Mike Lindell stick right now. He's got to, he's got to vind vindicate himself and, you know, absolve, expunge the record and, and in doing that might be one of the things that's driving Mike Lindell other than his love of this country and his love of freedom. 
you know. Uh, but the uh, the informational hearing that took place in Kansas at the end of February, I take it back. It was it was actually on the first of February. Okay, uh, it was it was uh, you know you know God bless God bless the uh, the elected officials representatives who put on this hearing because basically what these guys did is. They just presented the uh, the committee with the same information that they obtained from Mike Lindell's cyber symposium and Seth Keschel's uh, uh, Seth Keschel's um, calculations and investigative work. That's basically all that they did. You know, uh, Kansas was red, and Kansas voted for Trump, right? Just like Texas. They didn't have anything else to go on there. They they had Seth Keschel's information, uh, and uh, and maybe a little bit more figures that are based on their population and who voted. So they they took Seth Keschel's information and they refined it down to the numbers that were representative of their state. In other words, you've had zero growth in population, Kansas, but all of a sudden your entire population's voting. That's just not realistic. But that's about as saucy as that hearing got. So. It's almost like they were reaching for something like we're going to give you information that could make you wonder if election fraud occurred in our state, but we're not going to give you enough to give you an appetite. And that's basically how I felt watching that hearing. So God bless them for putting it on the table and for trying, um, you know, because they had like what almost they had like what uh, 30, 40, 40 something different states representing at that that cyber symposium of Mike Lindell. And the cyber symposium itself was just a subterfuge. I don't know if you guys picked up on that, like the cyber symposium and what was presented was a subterfuge. The real reason why they were having that cyber symposium was to have breakaway groups go and meet with people, the state delegations to actually meet with someone to to. Um, teach them how to get this moving in their state. Now, had Mike Lindell said that we're having a workshop on how to prove voter fraud, you can bet that that cyber symposium would have been locked down, okay? The symposium part of it that was generated to the public and broadcasted and live streamed was a subterfuge so that they could have delegations of each state learn, go through a workshop on how to get it rolling in their state. And I think this is an example of one of those uh, workshops. The people who went to Mike Lindell's Cyber Symposium from Nebraska took their notes, took their work workbooks home. They filled out all the information they needed to present it to their uh, committees. Uh, the question is, would it be enough to um, would it be enough to merit an audit or an investigation in their state? In this, in the case of Kansas, it doesn't look like it did, you know. And so that was the hearing that happened on the first. Or who knows? Maybe they are going to act on it in Kansas. But had they chose not to work on it, well, I mean, maybe that's the reason why we had this woman, Maria Zacks going into the Kansas and meeting at the, with the Senate senators and doing her informational hearing over with, um, over with them about election interference. Okay. Now, Maria Zacks really brought it home 
in regards to the international interference that happened in 2020. Now, this is a piece of the pie or a piece of the puzzle that I personally did not have information on. Like we've heard China, China, China. We've heard uh, between Seidel, the, you know, the, the uh, numbers were bouncing into Spain, into Germany. And then this whole thing about the servers being in Germany, right? And then the whole thing about, uh, um, you know, uh, there being a, a firefight between the military and deep state CIA operatives in Frankfurt. And we don't know how much of that is true. A lot of that has been debunked, you know, but... Um, we don't we just don't know guys i mean for all we know that really happened and then maria zacks comes along and talks about how one of the individuals who was involved in this scheme well actually three of them were going to the location where the theft happened via satellites and uh you know signals um and they were going to and from frankfurt germany okay same place where these servers are, same place where Seidel's people are, etc. You know, so that just adds more of an independent corroboration to the stories about the CIA firefight between deep state operatives in order to secure these servers. OK, but uh, at this point, guys, it really does seem like it has been known by the military that things were going down. I mean, since 2016, guys, they said that they have known about this uh, since before that. OK. That's where people like Patrick Byrne got mixed into this, okay? Because he was helping the, them with this well before 2016, according to his words, okay? And uh, and then that's where, uh, you know, individuals like Tori Morris, Tori Says, comes in and talks about how that they've known about these things. Now, Tori Says, having been a, a, a deep state contractor, right, uh, she worked for the shadow government, according to her, you know, um, that she was she was aware and had access to a lot of what was going on. Now, in 2016, according to Tory Says, the algorithm broke because so many Americans turned out to vote for Trump and they didn't set the algorithm correctly. But when the deep state operatives tried to correct the issue in 2016, people on the White Hats team, according to Tory, cut the lines. In other words, they cut the deep state off so that they could not connect to the servers to drop in the algorithm that would, of course, corrected what was going on with Trump. So that means that in 2016, we might have seen a pause in the count. We might have seen a pause in the vote. They might have stopped the machines. So this way they could drop in the algorithm to give them the amount of votes that it would have taken to have won by cheating, which is what we saw in 2020. Now, that's according to Tory Says. There's no official document out there that says that that's what happened, okay? But then you have uh, people like Maria Zaks that just almost, almost corroborate those very notions, especially when we're talking about algorithms and we're talking about internet connectivity dealing with the Dominion voting system machines, very interesting stuff, guys. Oh, it is very, very interesting stuff. So um, let's see. Well, let's take a look real quick. Because uh, like, I, like I said, guys, I had no idea who Maria Zacks was. And I'm really swimming in this information right now because I think this is a big part of the puzzle that we are not seeing. And, and then we have to put it all together, right? We have to put it all together. Let's take a look at this article. It's interesting enough from a, uh, an, a, a news article or a blog called um, The Trumpet. 
<laughs> the trumpet brief, right? Let's see what this had to say about it. It says, uh, will Donald Trump's legal team expose an international conspiracy? Uh, a voting technology company that provided equipment to 28 states during the 2020 United States presidential election is suing one of President Donald Trump's lawyers for defamation. On January 25th, Dominion Voting Systems filed a lawsuit in the federal district court in Washington, D.C. against Rudy Giuliani. The 107-page lawsuit accuses Giuliani of manufacturing and disseminating a big lie that went viral and deceived millions of people into believing that Dominion had stolen their votes and fixed the election. Dominion is seeking more than $1.3 billion in damages for Mr. Giuliani. This came after Dominion filed a 124-page lawsuit against the against former federal prosecutor Sidney Powell on July, January 8th, alleging she falsely claimed that Dominion had rigged the election, that Dominion was created in Venezuela to rig elections for Hugo Chavez, and that Dominion bribed Georgia officials for a no-bid contract. It also seeks $1.3 billion from Powell in punitive damages. Winning these two lawsuits could get Dominion a sum 26 times its annual revenue, and the company has indicated it may seek further damages in court. Yet neither Giuliani nor Powell seems deterred. Why? How confident are they in the actual evidence that Dominion did, in fact, use its systems to flip votes and alter the presidential election? In a January 25th statement, Giuliani said Dominion's lawsuits was an intimidation tactic and that he was considering a countersuit. Dominion's defamation lawsuit for $1.3 billion will allow me to investigate their history, finances, and practices fully and completely. The amount being asked for is quite obviously intended to frighten people of faint heart. It is another act of intimidation by the hate-filled left wing to uh, wipe out and censor the exercise of free speech as well as the ability of lawyers to defend their clients vigorously. As such, we will investigate a countersuit against them for violating these constitutional rights. After Dominion filed for defamation against her, Powell dropped a lawsuit she filed in November accusing Dominion of fraudulently handing Joe Biden a win in Georgia. But on January 25th, she posted an interesting message on Telegram. There is mounting evidence Italy attacked, helped hack our elections. So let me pause there real quick. Now, these countersuits are something, guys, because again, and I haven't heard anything about Giuliani countersuing that I can recall, but when that happens, that opens up Dominion to uh, depositions, to discovery. Okay, so that's really a good thing that they usually try and avoid the bad guys. Now, that's kind of the way it's going in the case of Tory Says, because she's suing Dominion for defamation because of the claims that they are not hackable, that they, they are not fraudulent. She, I mean, Dominion, along with Media Matters, along with all these lefty organizations, along with even patriots in the field, have just dragged her name and her likeness and her, uh, her business, which I guess would be her podcast, through the mud. So by suing Dominion for defamation, it would require Dominion to prove that they cannot be hacked. Okay, so that's the that I mean, it's it's kind of a catch all. It's like, well, okay, you know, uh, if you're going to if you're going to defame me by saying that I'm lying about you and drag my name through the mud, then you need to prove that what I'm saying is a lie. 
So I don't know how that's going to go, guys, but that's like, you know, that's like Giuliani saying, well, go ahead and sue me for defamation. I will sue you back because this way we can have discovery. Okay, and then you take all of the pieces of the puzzle from all the investigations and Tori's affidavit and Maria Zach's information, her evidence, Maria Zach's evidence, put it all together. And what do you got? You got yourself a stew going, ladies and gentlemen, and it's going to be a nice gravy, tasty, saucy stew. Okay, so here's where Maria Zach's comes into play and also international interference. It says, after Dominion filed... Oh, wait, wait, where you saw that? Uh, um, um, Sydney Powell says, there is mounting evidence Italy hacked our election. The next day, Powell reposted a statement from another Telegram user. Dominion may have ensnared itself. Under the law of defamation, Dominion had the burden of proving falsity, which means Dominion has to prove by admissible evidence that it did nothing wrong regarding the election and its machines. You can learn information about Dominion voting machines by watching the 2020 HBO documentary, Kill Chain. The one that the Democrats tried to use against President Trump, right? So Giuliani and Powell apparently look forward to the opportunity to present their evidence against Dominion in court. Powell is collecting evidence on the Italy Gate conspiracy being investigated by Maria Strollo Zach, the founder of the nonprofit government watchdog agency Nations in Action. And proceeding to trial would trigger the legal process of discovery, which means that the defendants would have to surrender any documents or information relevant to the charges, but so would Dominion. Most mainstream news organizations have ignored or outright banned coverage of Maria Zach's Italy Gate investigation, but a few, like USA Today and Yahoo Money, have reported on this story only to say it is a baseless conspiracy theory. But news executives and editors are becoming infamous for characterizing verifiable facts as baseless conspiracy theories. We do not know what evidence Zach has, but both retired Air Force Lieutenant General Thomas McNerney and retired Army Lieutenant General Michael Flynn, both of whom have contacts in the United States intelligence agencies, have said they believe Italy Gate is worth investigating. On January 6th, while the world watched 200,000 American citizens protest election theft at the United States Capitol, Nations in Actions delivered a critical affidavit to Congress from Professor Alfio D'Urso, an Italian constitutional lawyer. It alleged that Arturo Delia, a former employee of Leonardo SPA, one of the top 10 defense companies in the world, admitted that he was personally involved in digitally switching votes from President Donald Trump to Joe Biden in the 2020 presidential election. Durso testified that Dalia worked in the Pescara facility of Leonardo SPA and utilized military-grade cyber warfare encryption capabilities to transmit switched votes via military satellite of Fucino Tower to Frankfurt, Germany. He testified that he did this under instruction and direction of United States persons working from the United States Embassy in Rome, and that he would testify to all individuals and entities involved in the switching of votes from Donald Trump to Joe Biden when he shall be in total protection for himself and his family. Delia is currently in an undisclosed location and claims to have a backup of the original data showing how many votes were switched from Donald Trump to Joe Biden using, again, 
military satellites. In an interview with Debbie uh, Jorgados on January 21st, Maria Zach said that Arturo Delia might be in the custody of U.S. officials and on American soil. What our latest intel shows is that Delia was potentially moved here to the United States, Zach said. And in that, we are very curious to know because Mike Pompeo, Secretary of State, flew to Italy and suddenly he returns and magically a plane from Italy, that is Italian military, lands at Joint Base Andrews. So it is our suspicion now that Arturo was moved again and that he most likely was on that plane that landed at Andrews. If Maria Zach's sources are correct, Delia could be an invaluable witness to call in in the trial Dominion Voting System wants to have against Giuliani and Powell. Nations in Action is also investigating claims that Frankfurt facility referenced in Durso's affidavit hosts Dominion Computer Services. So in Tori Says' affidavit, she talked about a company named Akamai, right? That was owned by China with offices in Spain, Germany, okay, specifically, okay, and then other parts, but uh, Germany, ladies and gentlemen, Seidel, Seidel works with them, Seidel works with Akamai, okay, and uh, Seidel was also linked to the Associated Press, okay, so we know that, we know what Seidel's business is, all right, and we know that Akamai is like a, an IT server uh, company, okay, uh, owned in part by China and also with uh, offices in Frankfurt. So that's kind of like an independent cooperation right there. Okay. So um, it says here, in any event, over the next several weeks, we are likely to witness some dramatic legal action. Giuliani, Powell, and others are saying that Dominion stole votes and fixed the election, even with President Trump no longer in the White House and the radical leftist coup d'etat, apparently a fait accompli, and Dominion emboldened sufficiently to characterize these claims as a big $2.6 billion lie both sides cannot be right. Could Dominion's defamation suits give Donald Trump's former legal team the very opportunity it has otherwise been denied? The chance to prove in court an international conspiracy to steal America's presidency. So these are some of the articles that were coming out then, guys. And this one is dated. What's your date, son? February 1st, 2021. So a year ago already, okay? A year ago. Uh, But this is really, I mean, can you talk about all the pieces of the puzzle falling out of the sky so that someone could collect them, put them together and serve it up, right? Serve it up like a nice steaming bowl of justice, ladies and gentlemen. So I'm going to be looking more into this stuff, guys. Um, As far as, uh, as far as Maria Zach goes, she's, uh, she was just at the hearing in, 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 on the 15th of this month in Kansas. So where I'm at right now with that is this. She finally delivered it to a legislative body, okay? Because, you know, I have like this, um, I have this interview right here with her. And maybe we could just play the first few minutes of it. Because uh, we're wrapping it up for tonight, guys, already. Wrapping it up for tonight, but maybe we could we we could uh, we can end tonight with a few a few minutes of this interview with uh, this Marie Zach. Um, I think we'll do that, and uh, I'll I will definitely be looking more into this guys because she's got a lot of information. It, it ties Obama to it. It ties uh, you know um, intelligence and uh, yeah, contractors in Italy. You know. 
Yeah, I was just taking some notes. Let me see here. Even down to CISA, guys, the Cyber Security Infrastructure and Security Agency Administration, they were involved in this also, you know. Anyways, so let's do that. Let's do that. Awesome. Hey, Amy. <laughs> What's that all about? Okay, uh, let's try this. So we'll, just, we'll listen to a little bit of this, guys, because I got a skedat. Um, I will be back on the air with uh, the Speak Uneasy at 10 p.m. Central Time as we're doing our uh, This Is News show. So, yeah. So we'll just do a few minutes of this, guys, and then we'll call it a wrap. Uh, but very, very interesting information, y'all. Uh, and, and again, thank you again, Aurelius, uh, for throwing this across my desk. I mean, it's the best way to do it, guys. If you guys got the faux one one, give me a call, you know? Okay, awesome. Uh, let's check it out. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? It's Mr. C from The C Report, and I'm stopping in for just a sec to encourage you guys to head over to thecreport.com. At thecreport.com, you can get more information on The C Report, check out episode resources, follow our blog and get new articles every week, join our mailing list, and stay abreast on the latest news and information. That's right, head on over to thecreport.com, that's www.thecreport.com, and be sure to follow us on our social medias, Truth Social, Rumble, Twitch, Clout Hub, and Pilt.net. Today's date is Wednesday, October the 6th, 2021. And I have back with me Maria Zach, an incredible woman. If you're not familiar with her work, she's doing enormous lifting for this world, bringing enormous truth for it at this very, very important time to not only awaken the people in this world, but to save our world. Maria, welcome back to the broadcast. Thank you so much, Christopher. It's always a joy to be with you. And my prayers go out to everyone in Canada and around the world for the grotesque attack that is, is occurring in real time today. It is a war and it is one of the worst things we've ever seen happen as an attack in, in our lifetime. Yes, it is. Well, I'm, I'm so honored to have you back here. And just so everyone knows, Maria reached out to me right away here uh, to bring this. This is a special broadcast I'm doing. I'm going to be launching this tonight, Wednesday, not waiting till Thursday. So Maria, if you can give everyone a very uh, short background of who you are, or maybe hearing this for the first time, and then we'll fast track it to where we are today. And we'll pick up from where we left off. Sure, absolutely. I am the chairman and founder of nationsinaction.org, a nonprofit that's devoted to government transparency, truth, and uh, we use guiding principles of God, faith, family, love of, of our nations, and uh, certainly values and virtues. So the Constitution in America is one of our guideposts that we um, live by of giving people the opportunity and freedom to have liberty and freedom, but also to control their countries, that it's we the people, not the elitists, not a technocracy, not a plutocracy, but that of a republic. Yeah, it definitely is. And the, the last interview that we did was absolutely explosive with this incredible information that was coming forth. So let's pick up right from there. I want everyone to go back and look at my broadcast of a couple of weeks ago. You can find it on all our platforms, Brighteon, BitChute, Rumble, and also uh, not on YouTube because they would pull it down, obviously. So Bring us up to speed now. What's happened, Maria? I've been so looking forward to talking to you about this. 
Well, it's really fascinating because in my 30 years of government affairs uh, expertise, I've always learned about coup d'etats and and uh, forms of government, but never in my life would I see so many forms infiltrate in America, the, the Democrat and Republican parties. And the big thing to me has been uh, seeing this government takeover, the weaponization of government, but also the government takeover of of uh, building of a shadow government where billionaires and experts have been doing everything they can to infiltrate government for their own bidding. So in the beginning, you would see certain things take place where businesses would say, oh, they want favors from their favorite politicians. They'd engage in political campaigns. But now because of Citizens United, the billionaires have the ability to create super PACs that give unlimited spending. So the, the gloves are off. They, they enacted things that would enable them to have unfettered money into the system, which is an, a tool that has been used by the bad guys. Years ago, many folks brought me information that was very troubling and more and more people, I kept hearing things and all of a sudden I, I was given a plan by somebody of what was about to occur and it was about five, six years ago, and it was the Soros movement, the 2000 organizations that they fund and where they were headed. And the shocking thing is Georgia, Florida, Maryland, and Arizona were in those target zones. And we knew that they were gonna infiltrate in different ways. They do mapping. They wanna know everything about you, what you've said, who your friends are, how you make decisions, what groups do you attend, and then they figure out how they can embed the weaponization of government with these groups, and they embed them together so people can rat out anyone that doesn't believe in what their nefarious agenda is. So they created an entity at the global, it's called the Global Engagement Center in our United States um, uh, Department, State Department, and it is an opportunity to target all the people who want faith and freedom, and they weaponize these groups from Soros to come in and call an an 800 number 24-7 to rat out who needs to be deplatformed or removed or a certain comment removed from Facebook, Twitter, Google, whatever it is, that system has been in place and funded by American citizens. Wow. That's incredible. And obviously what we're talking about here, this is a massive attack against not only the people of America, but around the world. It goes beyond our election systems that have been completely hoodwinked and taken over for many years now. As I've heard, there's over 50 elections or more in the past that have been obviously, you know, compromised because of this this infrastructure that's been in the back that people aren't aware of. But the big picture now is obviously we're talking about mainstream media. All of them are in bed with this. And then obviously this colossal lie we have with COVID-19. So everything is coming to a head right now. So can you tell people a little bit more? Can we drill down now on who we're actually this, this global shadow government is finally being taken down? Who are the players that we are going after here? I think it's fascinating because what you your uh, listeners will uh, will recall is that all of this started for us at Nations in Action of really coming to the head of the snake through our pathway of the election theft in America. And you're absolutely right. It was over 50 elections that the intelligence services have, have provided to us. Over, we were told 54 presidential elections globally have been, um, have been stolen to date. 
the uh, the apparatus of how they function. You have your ceremonial government, which is, uh, you know, the White House with the action of taxation of, of people. Then it gets fed into the bureaucracy where the shadow government prior to the fall of Trump was about 60% of all government transactions in America were held by the shadow government. I am now told by people inside the United States government that it is easily 80 and going toward 90% of US government actions held by the shadow government. Departments and divisions are falling every day with people who have weaponized those departments. And everybody knows what happened with the FBI, James Comey, the Clinton investigation, Huma Abedin. Everyone knew that's just not right. It's not making sense. Something's wrong. So I'm here to say not only is it wrong, but we were warned that people were taken into camps for for George Soros to learn how to go in bed, how to get people um, uh, more weaponized, and certainly how to take over elections. So the use of Leonardo's satellite in Italy, Leonardo is the eighth largest defense contracting firm, and us putting that out in November, we basically solved the crime very quickly because we had amazing sources and partners that assisted us with that. Unfortunately, President Trump never knew about our work until December 24th, when I was able to tell he and Rudy Giuliani, one of his attorneys, exactly what took place. Uh, Rudy found out actually from President Trump on Christmas morning or between Christmas night when I gave him the letter and told him and Christmas morning at 9 a.m. when Rudy called me personally. So I was able to work with them. And uh, interestingly enough, I I have an audio on my phone from a person that Mike Lindell outed in his cybersecurity uh, forum that he says is CIA. And I know that his track record says CIA and State Department former employee. And in this audio on January 8th, he says, don't worry, Maria, we're going to go save our Turadelia, but we need to know where your people are. Oh, I bet you do. You're the CIA State Department guy, formerly, and you want to know where my people are that are helping me. No, I'm not going to tell you. Now, unfortunately, we had a kid go leak it and leak some national security stuff that um, he acts like he's a good guy, but he's really not a good guy. So we find it shocking that that um, people will take money for anything. So we want to know who's funding these people, both Larry Johnson and this kid. And I think it's really, really important that people understand the magnitude of this. These are billionaires who are controlling trillion dollar decisions, and they are deciding whether or not people have food on their table, Christopher. They are evil, nefarious people. They decide who's going to be a president of a country. The person signs a one page contract, which, by the way, you have a special invitation because the people who are taking down the shadow government and working with us, our source, has personally invited you to come to the south of France and view the documents that prove the one-page contract with the, with the presidents of these nations and what they say in this one-page document. And you will have privy to other documents of geopolitical contracts that decide wars, decide taking of assets of a country, taking of natural resources and reallocating them in a country. They are buying and selling countries, and those contracts are included in the batch that you will witness. 
Well, that's that's amazing. Okay, guys, I'm sorry, but we're going to have to leave it there. Ooh, it was just getting juicy. Juicy, guys? Juicy. I'm just going to be eating this stuff up for the next few days, just so you all know, uh, and try and glean as much as possible. Uh, like I said, she, she has uh, a, a lot of credentials, this woman does, and um, in her hearing that she was, um, that she held, in Nebraska on the 15th, she laid them all out. Like, you know, just, just so you're not confused about who I am. So very interesting stuff. Uh, I think, you know, justice is slow. Okay. Uh, information, even though it, it gets repeated, it got, thank God it gets repeated because then some of us would miss out on this information, you know, like she was talking about here, about the cyber symposium and that there was some kid that, you know, <laughs> I wonder if she was talking about Ron Watkins, right? I wonder if she was talking about Ron Watkins. I mean, I don't know. I, I saw him in that, what was that, that HBO Q special. I just, I, I don't, I can't say I trust the Watkinses, you know, I, I can't say I trust them. You know, the, there's just something about them that's not right to me. You guys know, you guys know who I'm talking about, right? You know, I'm talking about Code Monkey Z, right? I don't care if he's everyone's hero. There's something about that guy I don't trust. I just don't. I wonder if that's who she was referring to. The kid who leaked information that says he's a good guy, but he's not a good guy. Um, that's just me speaking, right? Potato, potato, right? Tomato, tomato. Anyways, guys. Okay, so we're going to have to park it there. Who knows? I, this, yeah. I mean, one, two, three, because she's like, this is a good interview. Uh... Um, well, you know, there's so many, there are so many interviews and documentaries I want to run. And what I might start doing is just start putting them on my rumble, you know, um, for example, you know, just like this, these, there's a, there's a whole slew of these interviews that Maria did between 2020 at end of 2020 and, uh, start of 2022. This one's from October. Okay. This was the last one that she did before she resurfaced again in Nebraska. Um, but I want them all. I want all of them. And then, you know, like I was talking about how I was uh, reviewing stuff on, uh, Russia today, you know, all these documentaries about the neo-Nazis in Ukraine, full-blown acknowledging it by leftist organizations. And, you know, and then also pres uh, president Putin's speeches, you know, he's, he's, um, he's delivered more, he's addressed the people and the nations since he started this military operation. And then there's all the election hearings too, you know, I would really, I just, I might just start uploading all of them to my rumble. Um, so I can have them there archived for myself. Uh, but yeah. So, all right guys. So that's going to wrap it for this edition of the C report. What that, this is like a cliffhanger, right? Everyone in the uh, chat room keeps saying trust Kansas. Oh, I trust them. Uh, I mean, because she said in the hearing, I could have gone to any state, but I came here. Um, I I really want to know, why did you choose Kansas? Of all the states, may, maybe Kansas is the only state where one of the delegations from the Cyber Symposium actually went back and did something, right? Maybe that's why. Um, or, I don't know. I don't know. You know, uh, uh, talking about Kansas, you know, I, I kept telling you guys that how they had... Um, uh, they had recently uh, or had had scheduled to open a bio lab uh, level four 
Biolab Safety Level 4 Security, Biolab 4. Um, so I was actually looking at that because it was supposed to open this year. Uh, it was supposed to be fully operational and staffed by 2022. So I was like, well, you know, we're talking about Kansas. That's in Manhattan, Kansas, where they decided to build a biosafety lab level four, right? And number four means deadliest pathogens with no cure, no vaccine, no way to stop it if uh, Dorothy decides to come whirling through town and release all those spores to everyone in there. Uh, National Bio and Agro Defense Facility the National Bio and Agro Defense Facility will be a state-of-the-art biocontainment laboratory for the study of diseases that threaten both America's animal agriculture industry and public health. Uh, DHS S and T is building the facility to standards that fulfill the mission needs of the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Now, you guys are probably wondering what the heck is Mr. C reading that? So here's your proof about this bio biolab safety level biolab uh, level four in Kansas. This is from uh, DHS.gov. Okay, in Kansas, right? So is that the reason why she was in Kansas? Is that the reason why she was in Kansas? Uh, someone's asking for the link. Uh, okay, uh, Timberjet. I can't drop the link right now because we're about to get off. But if you go to the CReport.com and you click on the resources tab. We will have that link posted before the end of the night. I promise you. Uh, the question is, when does my night end? <laughs> well, I'll, I'll have that on. I'll have that at thecreport.com. Okay, we have a resources page where you can. Uh, yeah, Pompeo is from Kansas, isn't he? But we'll we'll we have a resources page at the Q at the Q report. Whoops, at the thecreport.com. And uh, everything that, all the articles, all the documents, and all the videos that we play on air, we resource them over there at thecreport.com. So Timberjet, hop on over to the C-Report and, uh, and and become part of our mailing list too while you're at it. Um, but I, I'm totally digressing right now, okay? I, I just wanted to share with you guys the most up-to-the-date information about this biolab that's uh, opened in Kansas U.S. funded biolabs in Ukraine at the heart of... Oh, no, no, no. Well, well, we'll get you the skinny, guys. We'll get you the skinny for the next episode. Okay, with that said, guys, I got to go. I got to go. I've got to go. And uh, we will see you. If you guys come on and hang out over at the bar, over at the Speak Uneasy's channel, uh, we'll be doing a This Is News episode tonight. And uh, we're looking to have a pretty good time, guys. I think the uh, I think the muscle relaxers will kick in by then, so it should be pretty fun. And uh, well, we will see you then, ladies and gentlemen. Till then, as always, be safe, be blessed. God bless America. We'll see you next time. Have a good night, y'all. <laughs>